Welcome to another episode of the Bioside Podcast, the property podcast to help you make smarter property buying decisions. Today, I have a great guest with me. He's a returning favorite, Jared Zach, to talk about how to make an offer, how to get your best foot forward to get the deal across the line. So I want to say hi, Jared. How are you? Good. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me back. Excellent. Thank you so much for for being here. You're going to add great value to this conversation because I obviously have one way of looking at how to put a deal together. But you being the principal solicitor and founder of Dotted and Cross It, I had to get that in there. You obviously have multiple branches across the States and you work in many different markets. So uh, whilst I am concentrated in the Sydney market, which does have its own micro markets, you obviously have a much broader view across the country. So I thought it'd be very valuable to get your thoughts because I don't know about your clients, but when I'm working with clients, sometimes they have a very set idea of how they want to buy a property. Some people come to me and say, I absolutely want to avoid auction or I only want to buy off market. Uh, Do you come across that sometimes, that school of thought? I, I do. I do get that a lot. People, there's generally people would prefer not to buy at auction. I guess the, the, the message there for some people, unfortunately, is you, you may have to. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, it's not your, sometimes it's not your choice. There's ways, I guess, that you might be able to sort of maneuver uh, a pre-auction offer. But if the vendor and the agent, most importantly, have made up their mind, um, then you probably have to just go along for the ride. Yeah. That, that's probably another topic altogether. I mean, there's nothing to be afraid of with auctions. It's, it's all a little bit of a beat up. Um, auctions are, are pretty simple. And it actually takes away a lot of the... Um, you know, I, I so many times, I don't know about you, Michelle, but so many times I get buyers call me up and say, this is in the context of a private treaty or pre-auction, I guess. And they say, we put our offer forward, but the agent has said there's another offer. Yeah. We think they're lying. And then they get really worked up emotionally about this idea that the agent's lying. But I sort of just say to them, what, what does it matter? Honestly, they're probably not lying. Firstly, that's my experience. I think, I think there's not that many agents that would really do that these days, but even if they are, why does it matter? Just think about what is the maximum price that you want to pay? And if that buyer figurative or not is higher than that, we let it go. Yeah. And I guess um, it it still stresses people out. um, Whereas I guess at an auction, at least you can actually see the buyers around the room. So it takes away that sort of uh, that uncertainty, that little bit of anxiety about not really knowing who the true market is out there. Yeah, absolutely. I I would 100% agree with you. I think auction, you can eyeball your competition. There's uh, no room for cloak and daggers. You know, it is the floor that decides what the property will go for ultimately. Um, Sometimes you're up against an unrealistic vendor who's got an incredibly high reserve, but you can deal with that as it comes. Most oftentimes- but the it vendor, is- it's interesting. The, the auction can sometimes be a, pl- a place of realization for the vendor too. Oh, absolutely. Vendor, when they're there and they think, wow, maybe the market's, you know, isn't quite as strong as I thought it was, or maybe my price, my house isn't quite what it's worth. And that's yeah. when you can get probably a moment where the vendor might might compromise or, or start to see sense. So absolutely. And it yeah. has happened to us on more than one hand, you know, that we have bought under reserve because we were- the top mm. bit at the time and we got the, the first right of refusal if you like it is tough it's not nice to do it's you know 
but you have to do it to get the best result for your clients. And at the end of the day, that's who we are working for, the buyers. <laughs> well, in your, your case, you work for vendors as well. But, you know, for my buyers, you know, to get an incredible result for them on the day is fantastic. Now, what you said about when you're making offers and you don't know whether there's another offer on the table, I have that issue all the time with my buyers as well. And obviously, I work with client with agents, I should say, on a repeat business. And I have done over many years, so I know how many of them work. It is a very risky move for an agent to make up a counter bid if it's not real. A is illegal, but by the by, it's it's very risky because what if you as a buyer do not increase your bid, then they're left out hanging, aren't they? And yeah. it's going to make them look absolutely stupid. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to walk away from that deal because they've just yeah. lied to you. So I would say that as a whole, I don't think there's many agent really who are prepared to risk it for yeah. potentially only a small increase in the sales yeah, price. Yeah, I, so I, I, I agree. I don't think it happens that much at all. I think mm. ma- at worst, or, or I think what may happen sometimes is the agent may embellish how prepared the other buyer is. That sometimes yeah. happens. And so- sometimes it's deliberate, sometimes yeah. it's wishful thinking. <laughs> they, just, yeah. they just think the other buyer is yeah. ready to go. And sometimes, you know, like I don't know about you, you Michelle, but, but sometimes I actually deliberately tell my more sophisticated buyers to you know, puff your chest up and tell the agent we're ready to go. Where finance is pretty much there. Solicitors gone through the contract and then and the strata report's all done. Present mm. that, even though that's not actually necessarily true, even though we're actually a little bit behind the ball. But as soon as we get, and, and this is like, I guess, the, the beauty of you know, having a team that can work pretty quickly. As soon as we get some kind of bite on the price and they say, okay, if you're ready to go, the vendor probably going to accept that if you can come up a little bit. They come back and say, that actually worked. Then it's then it's like basically super super speed. We have to go and do all the things that we said we'd already done. <laughs> but right. uh, yeah, that's, sometimes, um, yeah, that's risky. You see, my strategy. Yeah, no, look, it, it is it is it is, is risky. I think you've got to have a you've got to have a good team about. It. Look, when I when I sort of mm. say to them, I say to them, look, you know, should we review the contract and go and get the strata report and all that kind of stuff before we make because those things actually cost money. As you know, yeah, it's probably absolutely. sort of you know, it's I guess it's somewhere between five hundred and a thousand dollars when you factor in the pest and building, the contract review, the time, all that kind of stuff. I mean, in a in a preferable world, you would know or have a stronger indication whether your bid's going to be accepted before you go and spend that money. So I actually do yeah. tell my my buyers a little bit like that that moment in Braveheart. Just just wait, just wait. Let's just see. Let's put an <laughs> offer out there. Let's don't 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 sort of don't necessarily don't be dishonest with the agent, but but don't 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 indicate that you you're basically at ground zero. Like to t- mm. tell them you're ready to go and we can transact within 24 hours. And, and mm. um, normally we can anyway. We can move yeah. that quickly. I think you make a good point there. That it's the, the the conversations that you have with the real estate agents, whether it's going to auction or private treaty, you know, and off market being a private treaty also, and no matter what market you're in conversations with the agents are always key the Mm. more questions you ask the better you are prepared to make an offer or to wait because sometimes making an offer is not the right thing to do Mm. you know if you have an unrealistic vendor and it's an auction campaign wait and sit in your hands Wait yep. on wait until auction day, and then it, particularly if it's being underquoted, because let's face it, that is something that does happen on a daily basis. Go in prepared, and then make that opening offer that knocks out ninety percent of your competition. You know, boom, everyone's out. If the vendor wants a really high amount of money, you're just gonna give the vendor ammunition to to say to the agents, "Well, look, this person's already prepared to make this much of an offer prior to auction, so I'm just, you know, I'm valid in what I'm saying. I think my property is worth that much more because a lot." lot of vendors, particularly early on in the campaign,
campaign. They want to see the agent do their job. They want to see how many people come through the property. They want to hear that feedback. So quite often I will hold off, say it's an auction campaign, which is typically four weeks. I want to wait two weeks so that the agent and vendor have that time to get that feedback from the market before I then have the pointy conversations with the agents to say, hey, Jared, what's your feedback been so far? How's the vendor feeling about that? How are you feeling about that? Because then again, it becomes really important what kind of agent you're dealing with because if the agent, and trust me, this is absolutely 100% true, agents tend to repeat the same process over and over. Mm. So there's some agents who literally can't put a deal together to save themselves, honestly. (laughs) They couldn't organize a piss up in a brewery, so to speak. (laughs) And they run everything to auction, no matter what the market, whether it's the right property for it, they run everything to auction. And there's other agents who are massive deal doers. Like you put an offer in front of them and they'll get it done because they're all about volume and they're all about speed. And we get our clients ready ASAP and go, boom, we've got to get this done before anyone else of the other bars even had a chance to consider whether you know they like this property enough and yeah we get the contract reviewed we do all our in-house due diligence invest in the strata or the building and pests because we know that we're going to get it done so it's really interesting isn't it that there's so many moving it's complex it's not a and it's as i sort of saying to you before we came on air how you put an offering, whether it's pre-auction or private treaty, it depends on so many different things, like mm. where the market is. Eastern mm. suburbs versus western suburbs, completely different. New South Absolutely. Wales versus Queensland, that's just different worlds. A hot market versus versus cooling market, mm. completely different. A deceased estate vendor or, or elderly lady vendor, completely different to younger couple in terms of how you present your offer and when and all that kind of thing. And I, I you know, I was saying, I, I think that it, it's very bamboozling, I think, for some buyers, and I think it's it's probably really good i think in a lot of cases to get someone like yourself to guide the buyers through the process and say look this particular property because we've got x y and z happening this is the strategy we're going to do because we we get that question so many times from 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 buyers how do i put an offering i said well well, firstly (laughs) tell me this tell me this tell me this tell me this and then we can work out a strategy yeah absolutely for example you just mentioned you know deceased estate Mm. gosh how long have i been doing this 15 years I can count on one hand the number of deceased estates that I've been able to purchase prior to auction when there was one mm. more than one beneficiary involved, you know, because mm. someone passes away, leaves the house to the family, there's, there's a couple of siblings, cousins, whatever, they all want a piece of the pie. They are never going to agree on the yeah. one figure that is in front of them. So if you are in that situation where you're the buyer, you're literally wasting your time. And you're feeding, and I hate to say this, but in some way feeding into the greed of some family members. So you may as well just wait, let the guide be the guide and then pounce at auction. And if you're too nervous to do it, hire someone else to do it. Don't get your There's another reason why I think there's a propensity (laughs) for deceased estates to go to auction. There's there's definitely the, the, the bickering beneficiaries and family members dynamic. There's definitely that. There's also a legal reason the executor will get more legal comfort if they let it go to market. Yeah. Um, they don't want their decision because they have a, a fiduciary duty to all the beneficiaries to maximize the sale price. Now, yeah. in the first week, if they get a, an agent comes through and says, look, trust me, we don't want to get to the auction because this this is the bid right here, yeah. they, they're not going to be so sure. They, they don't want to be sued by a family member down the track mm-hmm. and say, hey, you didn't do your fiduciary duty. You didn't maximize the sale price. So they, they're just going to sit back and say, you know what, thanks for that, but I, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to hide under the comfort of the auction. So it, does, it doesn't have to be that way. You, know? no. you can have executives of their own people and they can make 
decisions as well as anyone, as long as in the yeah. best interest. But I think most executives would prefer to go to auction. Yeah. So, I mean, look, that's one reason. So if you've got people coming to you saying, hey, we want to put in an offer, that would be your advice. And that would be my advice also, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah and that's just one situation. So I came across something surprising the other day where for the first time in possibly 10 years, I got a cooling off period. In, <laughs> <What's> uh, <that>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was yeah. like, oh, really? That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I got one as well. Yeah, it's very, look, if you're in the inner ring of, uh, of Sydney, it's very, very unusual to get a cooling off. Obviously, there's no cooling off normally prior to an auction campaign. Because obviously, you know, the vendor wants to lock you in because otherwise they might lose all the other buyers in the process yeah. whilst you take your five days to think about it and do all your due diligence. But in a private yeah. treaty campaign, in a hot market, which is very rare to have a private treaty in this inner ring, you want to put your best foot forward and put your best offer forward. So most people end up waiving that cooling off period and offering what they call a 66W to the contract. Do you want to run our listeners through what that is and how that actually works? Well, yeah, well, that, that's spot on. And I think certainly the message that that is just absolutely par for the course in the Metro Sydney area. A 66W certificate, which, you know, you, you must see them hundreds of them a year, that it, it's, it's simply a, it's a certificate actually issued by the solicitor or the conveyancer for the buyer. And it basically waves, has a legal effect of waiving the cooling off period as if the buyer had bought at auction. So that cooling off period that we're talking about, that's actually automatically given by law. It's in the Conveyancing Act, Section 66T, uh, I think it is. And then 66W waives it. They would be probably, equal, as common as they are in the eastern suburbs, they're probably, at, they're probably as equally rare in out sort of the Penrith, Western Sydney areas where I've also got a practice as well. They're quite rare. They do happen every now and then. But it's just it's just a market thing. I think I think it's a cultural thing. It might be something to do with the demand. I, I'm sure it probably does as well. How how you sort of put an offer in in Penrith because you've got a cooling off period generally. You probably want to make your offer and sign a contract pretty quick. You, you probably don't want to muck around too much because that's what the cooling off period is for. Yeah, you can and do the cooling it. off period. So just so that people know, the cooling off period is usually a period of what's five business days. Five business but it, days. But it, yeah, yeah, but it can be extended in writing, and yeah. and, uh, and, and certainly we, we were seeing that happen a lot when the banks were having those big delays um, yeah. during COVID. Yeah, and so pretty much it, almost every cooling off period we had, we would straight away get it extended to ten. Can you get it extended on day five? Say you you yeah. make the offer on Monday, on yeah. Friday it runs out. Yeah. Is that close of business? Friday yeah. it would run out. Okay, yeah. so as long as you do, there's it, no guarantee the vendors are going to agree to it. Yeah. And so you have, as a buyer solicitor and as a buyer's agent, you have to make your case to the vendor. You have to sort of say, look, mm. this is what we've done the last few days. You know, with the loan applications we're in, we are pre-approved. We've had the pest and building inspection. The contract is fine, but the value are. He came yesterday, but he hasn't written up his report. Now, if you sort of can present a case, the vendor's going to be like, well, we're almost there. I'll give you another two or three days. But the vendor could say no. And we've had plenty of times where the vendor said, no, we said five business days. That's what we meant. Now, mm -hmm. what happens in that case? It's probably a pretty important point for your listeners. What happens in that case is the buyer will actually forfeit a small amount of money. Well, it's actually, it's actually a reasonable sum of money. It's 0.25% of the deposit. Yeah. So certainly not the 10% deposit, it's 0.25% deposit. So that's with an average house price, that's probably about two or three grand. So it's a yeah. you know, it's gonna it's gonna hurt, but yeah. by the same token, the vendor would say, Well, that's the price that you pay for me to yeah. take the property off the market. Because the vendor cannot market the property during the cooling off period. It, it's yours yeah. if you want it. So on a million dollar property, that's two and a half thousand dollars that you're walking away from. Mm. 
And that is payable and due at the point of you signing the contract, isn't it? At the point of exchange, just like a normal 10% deposit would be. Yeah, yeah. They'll they'll want you to pay that 0.25%. Occasionally, they might say, look, why don't you, you know, one as a gesture of goodwill, why don't you pay the 10% deposit or the 5% deposit? Mm -hmm. Um, And then if you do need to pull out, we will refund you the 9.75%. Oh, Um, yeah. Well, how do you feel? Oh, I'm not sure I feel good about that. Yeah, I don't. Is I that, don't really. I don't really mind. I know it seems a bit. Yeah, you know, a lot of clients go. Oh, I'm not sure about that, but oh. I don't really mind it, it, it. The law is very, very clear. There's no black and white. Yeah. If you need to pull out during that cooling off period, you can, and that money is refundable. So yeah, so, sometimes I think you know. Yeah, it, I know, actually, but you know, geez, I, if as long as it's in my bank, it's yeah, look, relatively no, you, you, safe. I mean, well, well, you know, no, you're right. You're continue. right. And that, that's generally the principle that we work on. Yeah. Occasionally, though, like I had one earlier this week. Occasionally, though, we used it as a bit of a lever to get the cooling off period. So we had a, a property which is on the North Shore. Um, okay. Cooling off periods as rare as duck's teeth there, but we yeah. needed one because we had we we're getting money from overseas, and it was just going to take longer than than we thought. And, yeah. And so we managed to convince them. But one of the things we said is, look, we're good to go. We're all going to be approved. We're happy with the contract. And guess what? As a gesture of goodwill. Yeah. We are actually going to put down the ten percent now, notwithstanding okay. that if we if something does happen, if the money gets you know doesn't come in time, or whatever, yeah. we'll get the nine point seven. And the vendor seemed to like that. So mm. again, you make a very good point, and obviously you got the deal across the line that way. So I think it's you've got it's like a game of chess, isn't it? And yeah. I tell you what, I have done so many transactions. Uh, it's still not a job where you can just put your brain on zero and just do it. You know, it's yeah. not like checking out things at the grocery store. You Every single transaction is different, even though the rules essentially are the same. Because you're dealing with all these moving cogs and people, <laughs> let's not yeah. forget people and their motivations, you have to really consider and look at every angle before proceeding. So I think if nothing else, if, if the takeaway for people who are listening to this from my perspective would be do not rush into it. I mean, you move with speed, but don't rush it. Really consider if you are keen on making an offer, why are you keen on making an offer? Is it really the best way to do this? Would you add anything to that, Jared? That's a great way of describing it. Like sort of move quickly, but don't make any big moves without carefully considering them. And that seems like a contradiction, yeah. but that that's sort of what you have to do. Yeah, to, I, yeah. yeah. It's tough. It's 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 a tough it's tough. Even even in this market, which is supposedly softer, it's still very tough. Because honestly, what I'm seeing is is that the A grade properties are still moving, you know, and when yeah. what I mean is quality location, quality floor plan, quality building, complex, whatever. Definitely. School catchment. If it's a three bedroom house in the inner west or in the east, yeah. needs no work. You can bet your bottom dollar that you've got yeah. competition. We had a property this week, it, it sold this week. It was bought by my client, the vendor, two years ago. So sort of right when the house prices were, I guess, at, almost at their, supposedly at their mm-hmm. highs. Mm-hmm. And they it was a big prime property in Mossman. So a rare sort of trophy house, which are, yep. I believe, quite quite scarce at the moment, notwithstanding the market. And they sold it for a $500,000 profit. So, wow. yeah. so it, yeah. and, and I think that's just to do with, you know, just the market being, uh, there yep. being a shortage of supply still for those sort mm-hmm. of trophy houses. That just shows you once again that, 
the the headlines are not really reflecting the true market once you dive into it, right? Yeah. So well, well done to your vendors, I should say. Well, I think I think this has been a really great episode trying to talk you through, you know, what what are the things you need to consider. If you have any questions, please get in touch at hello at buyyourside.com.au. But if you are in need of a great solicitor, uh, Jared, how can they best get in touch with you? So our, our company's Dot and Cross It Solicitors. Um, mm-hmm. And on our website, there's a get a quote button that you can see on the very top. Or equally, if you, if you want to give me a call, I don't mind, 0449-773-105 and we can get you a quote or chat through any property problem that you might have. Thank you so much, Jared. It's been a pleasure having you on. I hope you come back for another conversation soon. And yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. And until now, um, thanks for listening and until next time. Mm-hmm.